It's great to be here tonight. I can't think of a better way to end a year and start a new one. Our next speaker uh, from West Monroe, Louisiana, is Mike Kellett. I have learned to love and respect Mike. Mike is the pastor of the church at White's Ferry Road, one of them, uh, where my daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren go. It's very, very important to me. You want the best for your children. You want spiritual guidance and wisdom. You want them to grow up knowing the Lord. And the reason I'm a big fan of Mike Kellett and the reason I've grown to love him is because Mike Kellett loves Jesus. He is real. He is genuine. He loves Jesus, and he loves Jesus' people. And I learn more and more as I know him as the years go by that the people that he ministers to love him. Mike Kellett, welcome Well, I'm very honored to be here and uh, humbled at the things Terry said. And uh, I'm not sure how much truth he knows about me, uh, but I, I do love being at this church. I've had the opportunity to be here, I don't know, I think maybe three times now, and so... My daughter said, well, something must be good. They invited you back. And I said, well, it might be for me to keep learning, you know. Uh, and I do learn uh, from folks every time I'm with them. And I love the, I love the spirit of this church. And so uh, thank you so much for the honor to be here. Second Corinthians chapter 4 is where we are. And uh, I was asking uh, Luke about how do I know when my time is up? Does the floor open up and drop you somewhere or uh, what kind of thing happens and uh, he said no that there would be a clock back there and fortunately it's big enough for me to see uh, and uh, so we'll try to honor our time best we can and uh, I don't want to take something that does not belong to me that's called stealing you know and so I don't want to steal time that belongs to you okay uh, I don't want to be the guy <coughs> That he never could really tell how much time. So what he used to do, he would put a, uh, he would put a, a search in his mouth, and he'd preach. And when it melted, he knew it was time to quit. And one day he accidentally put a button in there, went an hour and a half before he realized what all took place. So uh, we'll try to do our best here. Second Corinthians chapter four. Let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, since through God's mercies we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel 
of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure of jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I uh, struggled with outlining this chapter. Uh, you know, sometimes Paul doesn't write the way preachers preach, and so we try to fix him too many times. Uh, but if I had to give you one, I guess I, would, I guess I would say it like this. There's a mentality of mercy. There's a mentality of usefulness. There's a mentality of hope. And there's a mentality of glory. Now, in these first verses, he says, therefore, since we have God's mercy, we've got this ministry through God's mercy, we don't lose heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I've lost heart before, Right? I mean, I, I, I mean I, I'm in the right state to say this. I, I'm a Cowboy fan. I know I live in Louisiana, but I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. And there's been times I've lost heart. Have you, have you ever lost heart? You know, uh, every team I ever played ball on was a winning team except one. One time I played on a team in high school that won one game the whole year. One game. Now you talk about guys that lost heart. I mean, we came close, but you know, when you come closer, it almost makes it even worse. But he tells us that, that we have a ministry, and this ministry we have, and it's not by our ability to perform. It's by God's mercy. It's a mentality of mercy. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to have this ministry. I don't deserve this transformation uh, that a brother talked about the second place, but God's put me here. And so Paul says this, don't lose heart. We have this ministry of mercy and this ministry is part of preaching the word. Now, as I preach the word, Paul says, I don't do, I do it very simple and very plain. I don't distort it. I don't mess it up. I don't handle it in a wrong way. 
I grew up uh, with the verse that handle aright the word of God, right? Paul told Timothy. Divide the word, handle it right. And I'm, I'm, I know that in my past, I've not handled the word right. I know that I've divided it sometimes because I was dividing it to win an argument. I was putting things together, just picking verses out of places so I could somehow or another equal the conclusion that I already had in my mind. One of the very first things we have to understand about God's mercy is that it's not up to us to defend God. He doesn't need defended. Look, Paul said, I preach this word and I don't distort it like those other guys that our brother mentioned earlier in the book that they had been distorting the word of God, doing it for their own pleasure. We don't do that. Paul said, that's not how I operate. And that can't be how we operate either. We can't use the word for popularity. We can't use the word to go along with culture. We can't, we can't look at the word like that. We have to be honest. And it's okay to say, I don't understand that passage. I don't know. But in terms of what the gospel is, it is very simple to understand. That story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that changed our hearts, that story is easy to understand. And Paul said he preached it, and he didn't distort it when he preached it. He put this truth plainly to them. And he did it understanding he was only there by the mercy of God. Now he says in, the, uh, in verse 4, the God of this age is blinded, the minds of unbelievers that they cannot see the light. And I hate that. I hate that Satan takes advantage of people and blinds them. And I want to get the gospel out there and open their eyes up where their hearts can be turned and changed. Now he says this, that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the good news of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see Christ, you see God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is our Lord. So he says this great glory that's happening, it happens through Jesus. We see the glory of God through this. Matter of fact, he's going to later on in the verse say, you see this by seeing the very face of Christ. You see God's glory. And it gets multiplied over and over again. Now, when he says, let God... Uh, for God, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he quote, he's quoting Genesis where, where God created light. He spoke into existence light. Now remember, if you remember Genesis 1 and, uh, 1 and 2, there's this great darkness and chaos all over the world. And the Bible says that out of this chaos of water and darkness, okay, before he's ever said a day, all, this has already been created and made. That out of that, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. And out of that water, this new creation comes that we end up living on this earth. God, by his word, says, let there be light. And boom, there's light. The creator of the universe, the power to do that, by the way, a little side note there, there's a whole lot of times where God makes brand new things out of the, out of the water and, and saves people from the chaos that they're living in. Just stick that in your humbox. Okay, think about that. Well, he says he made this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. 
So the very one that said, let there be light, and all of a sudden, just out of darkness, boom, light is there, is the very creator that also shone the light in your heart. So just as powerful as creation is, is the power that exists within your heart when the gospel grabs hold of you because of Jesus Christ. That same power lives in you, lives in me. Broken people, but a great light by the creator of the universe exists in our hearts. Now he tells us in the next few verses about this thing of being useful, this mentality of usefulness. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power of God. So how can I say this? We're all just broken people. And the only way the gospel and the glory of God gets brought to the world is through broken people. God desires to use you in your broken mess and me in my broken mess to shine the gospel. Look, the cracks that exist in the pots, old clay pots, the cracks that exist are the very places that the glory of God comes out of. Got it? So no matter how big of crack you think exists in your life or how big the brokenness is, that's just a bigger spot for God's glory to to just be multiplied out to the lives of other people. You are useful in the kingdom of God. Now, the, the whole thing is, is that, that that makes a beautiful picture because in our own brokenness, it shows we can't be responsible in terms of, of, of receiving glory or honor. We can't be arrogant when God does something through us. He's working with a bunch of broken folks. We just have that mentality of mercy and a mentality of usefulness. Somehow or another, God, gets, God uses me in spite of all my mess and all my mistakes. And he turns that mess into a message. And it's full of the glory of God shining out through every broken place in your life. This is why being authentic and honest is so important. Because God's glory shines through the honesty and the vulnerability of broken people. And we're all that way. Every one of us. This is why humility is such a strong point in being used by God. That, one, I didn't have anything to do with making myself anyway. You know, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence, right? You do know, you know what confidence is, right? Confidence is, is, is going after uh, Moby Dick with a harpoon in one hand and a jar of tartar sauce in the other. That's confidence, right? <laughs> That's confidence. Legalism gives birth to arrogance because it says I've got all the answers. But humility gives birth to confidence because it says God has all the answers. 
I just get to be used through this process. Then Paul goes on to that list about we're hard-pressed but not crushed and all those perplexed and not in despair and, and abandoned, but I'm not lonely and I'm not, a, and I'm not left alone. And, and, and so through all of his hard times and suffering, God brings about glory through the sufferings of the brother. Sometimes we don't need to be delivered from suffering we just need the brothers to help us walk through suffering. Because without it, we'll never grow the strength that we need to have to keep preaching the way we need to preach and to keep showing out of the message of our life the glory of God. So, so Paul, he understands this, and he's writing this. Remember, he's writing it to a broken church. How many broken messes did they have in Corinthians? Matter of fact, if you ever get to feeling too bad about yourself, just read theirs. I mean, they're getting drunk at communion. They can't get along with each other. They've got problems in the assembly. They've got problems in morality outside that. They've got, I mean, they've got a host of things, and yet he still calls them a church, you know? Kind of gives me hope. A mentality of usefulness, broken people being used to the glory of God. Then he gets to this one section in verse uh, 13. He says, it's written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Now he's quoting a psalm, and the psalmist had gone through a very tough time. And so he tells them, with that same spirit of faith that you saw in Psalms, we also believe, and therefore we speak. So you kind of got three spokes here. You've got, you've got faith, Right, you've got this, that strong confidence in God. You've got bold speaking, and you've got suffering, and that's kind of the three spokes in that wheel in this particular context of giving God glory. And he says that uh, uh, we believe, therefore we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us, uh, us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. This is a mentality of hope. We know, matter of fact, y'all mentioned it last night, uh, the brother mentioned, can't remember his name, uh, but uh, he mentioned quoting, was it you, Luke, he quoted about saying Jesus is risen from the dead? Didn't Jesus rise from the dead? Paul says the same thing right here to a group of people so that they'll have hope. One year ago today, on New Year's Eve, I buried my mama. My mom was 93 years old. And uh, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to do her funeral. Someone asked me, said, how do you do your mom's funeral? I said, are you kidding? Who, who else? I want to. She's, she's with Jesus. She's going to be raised. She's got, she got out of an old broken down body. And the older I get, the more relief I'm seeing down the road. I'm telling you that right now, right? Some things don't work like they used to work. So she died on December 28th. So it's our first Christmas without her. She loved Christmas time. It's her favorite thing. And I, I, we brought people to the house 
And uh, we had uh, different folks live with us at different times over the years. And I'd just call, say, Mom, I'm bringing somebody to the house. Are they a boy or a girl? And I'd sell them. And she'd say, okay. And she'd go shop. And she'd have some gift for them. She always made sure that everybody in the house. Now, I, I had an older brother that uh, uh, he'd been out in the world pretty good bit. And so he had, uh, you know, he had been married several times. And so we weren't ever sure even when he was with somebody, are they married? And, and he was going to bring them to the house at Christmas. And so, you know, mom just got a present for a lady and didn't put a name on it. Uh, because one year she didn't take the old name off and the new wife got the old gift package, you know. But she wouldn't let somebody come to her house without getting a gift. It was easy to do her funeral because of the word hope. Jesus Christ came out of the ground. Physically, his body came out and ours is coming out of the ground too. Therefore, he says, we do not lose hope. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Look at that. Renewed day by day. I carry in my wallet. I carry a blue chip. All CR folks, you'll recognize the blue chip, right? And it says celebrate recovery on one side, and it talks about, has a deal about grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. And the reason I carry it is to remind myself. Because this is what you get when you start brand new. I carry it in my pocket to remind myself that his mercies are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never comes to an end. His mercies are new every morning and that's how often I need them. I don't know about you, I need them every day. Paul says he's renewed day by day. Inwardly. Now outwardly, yeah, this old body, is, is, it's, it's breaking down. Now I did tell a buddy of mine the other day, I, said, I, I love to play racquetball and I, I, I play racquetball three two or three times a week. And so, I don't know, something, one of my knees was bothering me or something. He made some comment about my age. And I said, now, wait a minute. I said, look, I know it's not age. It has nothing to do with it. Because my other knee is the same age and it don't bother me a bit. Right? It's got to be something else. But it's breaking down. It's all right. Because there's something, whatever we're accomplishing here, there's something far outweighs the troubles that we go through here, whether it's physical hurts, whether it's disappointments in life, whether it's burdens we carry for other people, it's okay. Those, he calls them light, and he calls them momentary. They're just here for a little bit. They're temporary. They're achieving for us an eternal glory. There's our word. A mentality of glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God gets the glory. We get the encouragement. The light of the gospel 
It's good news. God shines that light into your heart and out through the cracks in your life. I mean, look, you're just a bunch of, 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 of crackpots. Or maybe I should say cracked pots, okay? We're just that. And out of our brokenness, this old earthly vessel, God chose the creator of the universe, the same power that created light, chose to shine the light in you and out through the cracks of your life come an amazing, surpassing glory that we can only get a, a little glimpse of, but we know it far outweighs anything else we go through. So don't you quit. Don't you lose heart. No matter what's happening in your life, there's something better down the road. You gotta hang in there. Like I tell you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give out, give in, or give up till I'm taken up. Don't lose heart. God's glory is worth it. We get the advantage of being used by God undeservingly. God gets glory and honor. And one day we get to experience being in the middle of that around the throne, singing and shouting and praising the one that made all the hurts in our life be healed. The one that changed an adulterer to a minister. The one that changed the drug addict to the nation's leader and celebrate recovery. The one that changed right here. This room is a room full of miracles. God's worked and will continue to work in your life. Father, we love you. Thank you for your good news through Jesus. We give you, we say this word so often, Father, but help us have a better kind. We give you glory. Only belongs to you. We are humbled that you could find some way to use the brokenness of our lives. Yet you do. Thank you for your mercy that renews us day in, in and day out. And I thank you, Father, for the people in this room and how you are multiplying the story of Jesus into this community. And as that happens, may you receive glory. May the church receive encouragement and growth. And may people be brought to your throne. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said... Amen. Amen.